Welcome to Community Conversations with the Louisville Pride Foundation. I'm joined today with uh, Jason Pino from the Louisville Youth Group, one of our favorite organizations and partners and uh, a collaborator with us on the Louisville Pride Festival with our Family Zone. Um, unfortunately, we won't be collaborating on that together this year, uh, but we wanted to kind of bring LYG to you all since we're not gonna be able to have the festival Normally people would come and they'd visit booths and hear about organizations. So we wanna kind of highlight some of those organizations. Uh, real quick, I wanna thank our sponsors that make Digital Pride possible. UAW Local 862, Norton Healthcare, Republic Bank, Connolly Law Offices, Caperton Realty. Uh, they've been pivotal in helping us to deliver programming during these crazy times. Uh, so thank you, Jason, for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, first off, can you tell me uh, a little bit about LYG? You might want to mention what it stands for, because I don't think I did, uh, and uh, what you all do. Sure. LYG stands for Louisville Youth Group, and, the, and LYG has been around for at least, officially we turned 30 in October this year, in terms of incorporation paperwork and things like that. Uh, I believe the group kind of informally started meeting probably in the late 80s, so maybe the last two or three years of the 80s. Um, and started just as a group of concerned adults wanting to bring, create a space for youth to come, LGBTQ youth to come together, uh, meet peers, meet supportive adults and feel uh, safe, uh, which was definitely in the late 80s and early 90s, uh, <clears throat> the primary focus because that was still necessary today, but more necessary than, than it is today. Um, and uh, over the years, it's grown into uh, an official organization. And so uh, we refer to ourselves as an LGBTQ youth development organization. And what that means is that we work to create programming that will help youth engage with their community, um, engage with the possibilities of who they are and who they can be, um, and to also provide them with just some practical skills to uh, live their life. And then hopefully also do some service learning and some activism in the community, although COVID has certainly uh, slowed down the go out and do something parts of that. Uh, we're still thinking through the different ways that we can support the surrounding community and uh, get the youth involved in things. Our youth are going to be, our youth and our parents are actually going to be involved with a focus group with Norton Healthcare to kind of talk about what parents and LGBTQ youth need in providers when they go to see providers. Um, we've got some other good things planned coming up. So just keep an eye on our social media because we'll be doing some things similar to you, putting together some panels and stuff like that. So can you tell me a little bit more about how you all are adjusting to COVID and how, you know, what, what is your normal month look like for programming for young adults? Yeah. And then what does that look like in 2020? Yeah, so our normal uh, month is that we have weekly programming. So we typically have uh, at least one program on Wednesdays and two programs on Fridays. And then this past year, we had added drop-in hours. So we were doing drop-in hours before programming on Wednesdays and then on Thursday as an extra day to have some programming. And of course, with COVID, all of that in-person part has stopped. Um, and so we have invested primarily in two platforms right now, and that's Zoom for more kind of like scheduled, purposeful programming. You know, there's a plan, there's kind of an idea about behind what's gonna happen. And then we also invested in a Discord server because that's a, at least for our young adult group, um, that's a, a platform that a lot of our young adults were on anyway. And so we have our own little private server that youth can join and that gives them a space 
to interact all the time so they can pop in there anytime they need to and interact and then every once in a while we do some you know like we've done movie watch parties and things like that using discord um so it has changed a bit and for a while uh with the switch we the programming kind of was happening on a different schedule in terms of when the youth were showing up a little bit better than before um for july we just did drop-ins uh for the month while we kind of worked with the youth to investigate what kind of programming they might want to see. We were also in July, um, up until the last week or so, preparing to start back some minimal in-person programming. But with the numbers rising and JCPS's decision, we will not be doing that um, anytime in the foreseeable future. Uh, and so we're going to use some of that information that we gathered throughout July to start formalizing programming and getting it back on a consistent schedule where this is happening at this time, this is happening at that time. And we'll still have the Discord server for folks to drop in and hang out. And the nice thing about the Discord server is that because it's, and, and virtual programming in general, is that LYG, uh, as far as we know, is the only official organization primarily serving LGBTQ youth in Kentucky. Um, we know that there are some small groups throughout the state, um, but uh, we do get phone calls from all over the state and from parts of southern Indiana and you know sometimes it's they need support around something because they're having trouble with a school district or something like that and sometimes it's just somebody calling to look for resources and things like that so one of the pros of the virtual programming is that folks from all over can kind of attend and so if people all over anywhere really anybody who sees this if they have a youth that wants to kind of join the discord server and just start engaging with other youth we moder we, we moderate it we keep it safe we make sure that the people who are on there are supposed to be on there um so it's a it's a safe online place for those youth to kind of interact and hang out with each other um and then we are like i said hoping to now that we know i mean we kind of suspected that online stuff was gonna keep going. So we had already always planned a virtual component. A lot of what we learned throughout COVID, we had planned on incorporating into in-person programming once we went back um, and keeping a virtual element. But now with it only being virtual, uh, we're gonna be looking into some, how, how do we make programming a little bit more engaging and robust online? Uh, because nationally what's happening is that youth aren't showing up in as large of numbers online as they are in person which makes sense because most of them already have online communities. So what they really need is that in-person element. So what we have to do is figure out how do we make it feel as connective as being in the same room, even when we can't be in the same room, so. I've got barking dogs here, so I'll just edit that part out. Uh, so, them, so you're good. <laughs> um, so uh, in terms of the Discord server and things like that, how do people uh, get in? How do people uh, get plugged into LYG programming? If, if somebody's yeah. watching this and wants to find out about the Discord server, um, sure. which I have no idea what that is, yeah. um, you know, how do they do that? Sure. It's um, so. Discord gets used a lot by gamers, whether it be um, video gamers or kind of more, not necessarily board gamers, but definitely folks who are doing those role play games like Dungeons and Dragons and other similar things like that. Um, so uh, it's basically a place where a server is a community. And then within that community, you can have different channels that focus on different topics or different games, depending on what you're doing. 
the best way to get connected to the Discord server is to reach out through one of our contact mediums, whether that's our website or Facebook or Instagram, and request to join the Discord server, and we can send you a link that makes it really easy to join. We just need to be sure that you are supposed to be there and, and an appropriate person for the site. Um, and then a lot of our Zoom stuff we announce. So we'll put it out on Facebook, we'll put it out on um, through our different, once you know if you're part of the server, it'll go out through that. We have a programming uh, phone reminder that goes out. Um, and then for the Zoom meetings too, because uh, Zoom bombing is a real thing, what we'll do is we'll get everybody kind of the login information for those types of events as well. But we, we promote it anytime we're doing it uh, on social media and, and through email and we're bulking up our email. We're, we're working towards getting a um, weekly email going out similar to Louisville Pride, um, just so that communication is really clear and happening in a bunch of different ways. But really the best way to get connected is once you visit one of our um, mediums is just to message us and we'll get you connected to our programming staff and they'll make sure everything happens the way it needs to. <clears throat> so how important is youth programming for LGBTQ people in 2020? You know, you mentioned sure. LYG started in the late 80s, early 90s is a very different time from today. Yeah. Is this programming still pivotal? Does it need to be its own thing? Or should sure. we be talking about making sure all youth programming is LGBT friendly? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for the most part in the nonprofit world, a nonprofit's hope is that eventually um, the reason they started is no longer relevant because typically nonprofits are starting in response to a need or something that's not going well in the community. I think, unfortunately, we are still in a, a place, especially in Kentucky, um, not that Kentucky is the only one, there are pockets of this all over the United States, even in the, the glowing coastal cities and Northeast and things like that, but um, LGBTQ youth are definitely still facing um, incredibly increased levels of social isolation. Uh, so an LGBTQ, about 80% of the LGBTQ youth population reports feeling socially isolated. And then that kind of coincides with uh, then in general, when you're going through this developmental phase, you're at a higher risk of suicide because you're just processing so many things, you're experiencing so many things, you're deciding who you wanna be and you don't even have all of the like, I mean, your body hasn't even physically finished forming in a way that it needs to for you to decide all that. Um, so you're getting lots of pushes and pulls from anywhere. So young people in general are at a higher rate of, at a higher risk for suicide attempts. And then if you look at the LGBTQ youth population, that risk is about five times higher than uh, their straight counterparts. So there's clearly still need for education, for people going out into the community and helping the community understand, um, and for a space where those youth can come and know for a fact that everybody there is going to be accepting of who they are. Um, I would say probably what the significant change in the topics being talked about and the youth that are showing up is that we are seeing a lot more fluidity in general. Uh, this younger generation is just less interested in being labeled specifically. And so we're seeing fluidity both in gender and sexuality and romantic um, expression and things like that. But then we definitely do see a lot more um, non-binary folks and 
trans folks coming into the group, especially with our younger group, the junior group, um, which makes sense because between the, you can start processing gender identity around the age of three uh, and really like, you know, you were in elementary school, you might've had a crush in elementary school or said somebody was your girlfriend or boyfriend, but that those real romantic feelings and things like that don't start until around puberty. And so it makes sense that the, what we're seeing primarily with the younger kids is gender stuff. And so I still think there's a place for an organization like this. Um, and we are for LGBTQ youth and allies. And so the hope would be that, you know, as we continue to grow, that blend becomes stronger so that it's, it is an LGBTQ organization, which what that means is that we're committed to making sure that that population is heard, welcomed, and feels comfortable in our space. Um, but that we're not just for that community, I think. And I do think ideally down the road, you're in a place where organizations and nonprofits and especially organizations like community centers that fulfill a need beyond just addressing things like poverty and homelessness. And uh, you know, there, there's a community element that will always be needed by community centers and programs like this, that hopefully down the road, people will be able to partner more strongly together. Um, and so, because I don't think it's necessarily bad that the number of organizations shrink over time because then the money gets funneled more directly and can be more used more impactfully for everybody. Um, so I don't think that's happening anytime soon with our population, uh, but I do think um, my vision of the future is hopefully that we don't have to have 10 different organizations to support youth because there are 10 different ways that youth are being excluded that we can um, you know, maybe get down to four organizations that are doing different types of programming, but all really robustly caring about the different perspectives and experiences. Can we talk about uh, race and racism a little bit? Um, you know, this is uh, America has discovered racism again in 2020. It's obviously been, you know, a major issue forever. And it's been a major issue within the LGBTQ community forever. Um, but it's getting uh, in, in a very good, you know, it's a good thing. It's getting a lot more attention uh, in 2020. And we seem to be seeing some real progress um, on, in at least some ways. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about how LYG has dealt with race and racism prior to 2020 and then what you're doing right now? Yeah. So uh, I started in this position in, November of 2017, and in terms of working with the board, the first two primary things we looked at was, one, board recruitment, because the board needed to grow at that time. Um, and then along with board recruitment came the very real, real concern of board diversity, um, ensuring that we're, our board represents the people that we're serving and the people that we want to be serving. Um, and with that work also came the conversations about how white the organization is. And granted, we're doing better than some organizations out there, but there's still a lot of work to do in terms of making that space um, accessible, welcoming, and, and, and a place that folks who come want to return to. So, um, we, so as part of that work, the first year I was in the position, the board went through um, a racism and uh, racial sensitivity training uh, with a third party. Uh, they had we had an out. We paid an out external person to come in and do that training with them. And then the staff has done some training, and then that's 
and then through programming that's getting down to the youth as well. Uh, within that first year, we were also able to get a capacity building grant. And so we did use a portion of that funding to create a diversity and equity programming coordinator position. Uh, and currently a local, uh, uh, a native of Louisville, Carter Hatchet is serving in that role. Uh, and that position's responsibility uh, has two kind of primary responsibilities. One is first outreach into uh, black and brown communities and other communities uh, of diversity. So, you know, inclusivity goes beyond race, but what we're talking about specifically is race right now. Um, and so, and that's definitely a big part of why we hired this person uh, to first reach out into communities and create some programming specifically for those communities. And then the other pillar of the responsibility then is to do programming within existing programming that helps educate youth mentors and the other folks participating in mentors around topics and issues relevant to diversity and inclusivity, whether that's um, accessibility, um, the black experience, racism, uh, uh, just a number of those things. And uh, Carter was doing really awesome things before COVID happened and COVID has definitely shifted some of that because that, that programming isn't as established as some of our other programming and so COVID disrupts that a little bit more than it does our regular programming. Um, but one thing that's really, really exciting actually is that uh, one of our youth, who's also on our youth leadership council, uh, who, who is from West Louisville, has started working on putting together a short-term group, at least initially her plan or their plan, they use they then pronouns, is to um, have it be a short-term group specifically for uh, youth of color in, in that West Louisville area. And so she or they have done a lot of that work on their own, which is super, super awesome. But Carter is starting to partner really directly with them to help with that. And then so they don't have to worry about things like 501c3 and those other elements um, in terms of funding. We'll do our best to find some funding that, that we can funnel through us into that program as well. Uh, in hopes that it will be, it will fulfill the need that Ashaya sees um, in in their community, and then also uh, help connect youth into LYG as well. Um, because both Ashaya and Carter, Carter was a mentor before Carter was hired, and Ashaya is one of our regular attendees for youth. They both feel comfortable at LYG, but they also both recognize that there are bursts of visits of people who aren't white coming to LYG, but then they come for maybe a week or two and then they leave and then they might come back later. And a lot of that is that there's not a lot of people that look like them when they're there. And so initially it can feel as if that space isn't for them. And one of the things Carter communicated really well in his interview actually was that um, when he first started as a mentor, he saw that but stuck around and then realized that the organization was taking this really seriously and so felt welcome there but he also acknowledged that if you're if you're not taking that time to stick around and learn that which likely isn't going to happen especially with young people uh then you're not going to learn that and figure it out and so that's uh why we have committed before up before 2020 we had been committed to looking at these topics and issues and and addressing not just our programming, but how we hire people, uh, how we supervise and manage folks, um, just in general, trying to make everything about our policies and practices more inclusive. 
and there is still lots of work to be done and lots of learning to do, uh, but we definitely are taking it seriously and it, we think it's something that needs to be taken seriously. Uh, and then in terms of 2020, um, OIG definitely, uh, we've made some statements as things have happened. Uh, we're actively supporting BLM as much as we can, the, the local Louisville chapter. Uh, we uh, certainly have shared some of their posts throughout the time. We uh, set up in the park for a day down when they were still set up in Jefferson Park downtown. Um, and we had two fundraisers prepared for June for Pride Month that we, going into Pride Month, we just decided that we wanted to split whatever funds came in from those fundraisers uh, with BLM. So one of those fundraisers is still ongoing. We're selling uh, Pride masks, so lots of fun designs on face masks. And they're a little bit more expensive. They're $20, but that's because five of that goes to OIG and then five of that goes to BLM and then the other 10 goes to pay the local artist who made them. So we're trying to be sure that in everything that we do that we're paying people appropriately and that we're sharing the work that we can do when we can. Um, so we, we are actively supporting um, the movement and we do believe that a lot of the things that they're asking that need to change, need to change. We are pursuing some funding because one of the things we, one of the things identified early on in my time uh, at LYG, especially thanks to Rosie Green, who's a local activist in the community, was that right now the only source for wellness checks when somebody is um, having a severe moment of mental health struggle at home or somewhere else the only thing that we can do, and we're required to do this as a youth organization, is call the police to send a wellness check. And so the complication with that is just that um, the police aren't trained to manage those types of things. And so even the best police show up and knock on the door and are loud because they're trying to get the person's attention and they want them to come to the door, which just spikes anxiety. And then there are the complications of the non-white community and their relationship to the police. And so we are working right now on hopefully pursuing some funding that would allow us to start a more active community sort, community supported and peer support uh, wellness check program where there's a hotline that people can call or maybe online ways to chat at certain times during the day. And then creating a network of people who live in the neighborhoods who can respond to wellness checks rather than having a stranger show up at the house. Um, especially even beyond the police, sometimes an ambulance might show up. And if you get in the ambulance, then you're committed to paying for that. And a lot of the people who are having these checks called can't pay for that. So that's one specific thing that we're kind of thinking about. And as we pursue funding around that, we'll pull in other partners in the community. When we've only got a little bit of time left, so, uh, so it sounds like you guys are doing some amazing work. Um, I was actually, I was working with Carter on starting, we were going to start a, um, I think we were looking at a monthly yeah. social event for LGBT youth of color uh, out at Beachmont Community Center where we've been yeah. doing some programming. And like, we were right at that point of like, let's yep. set the date, let's get the flyer out and like, oh, nope, let's cancel everything. Yep. Um, so next steps for you all in just, you know, one or two minutes. Um, Tell me about the gala. Uh, you guys have a, yeah. an annual event and you're moving it online or at least yeah. partially online. So even coming into 2020, we were looking at that event and saying, this might be the last year for the, the traditional style of just having a big event and having everybody get together. Now we don't do a sit down dinner, which is different than a lot of other galas in the area already, but 
Louisville is a city of events, um, which is great, and you know, events and festivals, but it can make it hard to one, get people to another event and also to schedule that event. Um, so COVID has actually given us the opportunity to be really creative around this event because we didn't want to cancel it. And so the plan right now is to do some pre-recordings of performances. I think the bulk of those will probably be our youth because we had to cancel our youth talent show in the spring because of COVID. So the really great part about doing it the way that we're doing it this year is that the youth can be involved with the gala in a way that they haven't in the past. So we'll be able to pre-record some of their performances and then they'll be able to do, hopefully, by October, they'll be able to do a watch party at LYG, hopefully. Um, and then uh, the plan for the rest of it is then to stream performances and other elements live, and then to hopefully um, pull together a group of hosts who are willing to host maybe eight to 10 people in their home for like, you know, heavy hors d'oeuvres, and then depending on sponsorship, uh, some beverages and things like that. Uh, and we are, we've reached out to several sponsors because our goal this year with the gala, in addition to it, you know, highlighting LYG and fundraising really is, and this is always part of our goal, but it's even more important this year is highlighting the queer community, especially the black and brown queer community in terms of performers and artists and the people who perform. Um, but also with the right amount of funding, being able, rather than having people provide their own food, being able to hire local restaurants and caterers to provide food and and things like that so that we can use our event to infuse the local economy with some with some money um, which is always for us it's always really important that we are paying a proper wage for anybody that's participating with the event um, but this year it's definitely become more of a ethical prerogative um, with covid and so many artists and food service people losing money in the ways that they are. So that's our hope for the gala this year. We're still waiting to hear back from our potential sponsors. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And, um, and then the other stuff for the rest of the year is just figuring out how do we, how do we take some of the bigger programs like camp and prom that have, uh, that might not be able to happen in the ways that they traditionally do and make sure that we um, can make them happen in some small way. So. Yeah, we're all kind of battling that same uh, challenge of how do we move things online? And then, you know, I think there's a lot of sort of digital fatigue. So it's like, how do you oh, do that, absolutely. but keep it engaging? So thank you, Jason, very much for joining me today. Uh, Jason Pino from Global Youth Group. They're doing an amazing job and doing great work. And we're always happy to support them and partner with them. And you should check them out and uh, check out their programming if you're in that age group. And if you're uh, in it or not, you should donate some money to them and uh, volunteer with them and uh, support their great work. So thank you for joining me today, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll uh, be back next time with more. Yeah, have a great day.